The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. This is Topop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I am Will Anderson. Hello. Oh, Will. You sound a bit, you sound a bit sore. Oh, Charlie. Can you hear it in my voice? <laughs> yes, you sound broken. <laughs> yeah, I am. Well, partly I'm broken because I loaded up with like about eight painkillers over the last 24 hours. And, you know, sometimes you just feel when you've had a lot of painkillers, like you are walking through, you know, just wet cement. Marshmallow. Like eating yeah. everything that you're doing. So I've got a little bit of that going on. But um, also I fucked my shoulder really badly and um, I thought it would get better maybe overnight, but it seems to have got worse overnight. So I'm going to see someone this afternoon about it, but it's causing me a quite, quite a deal of pain. Describe, uh, describe the injury and then tell me how you did it. Is it, around the, is it around the sort of shoulder blade or the top of the shoulder? Yeah, so sort of shoulder neck. So one of those sort of injuries where like, it's fine. As, as Gorilla Monsoon might say, the trapezius muscle. Yes. And uh, you know one of those ones where um, you'll be feeling fine and you will just be um, going, oh, it's okay. I think maybe it's gone away. And then you will just move one centimetre and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's right there still. It's very, very <laughs> painful. Yeah, that's right. Ow. Ow. <laughs> and I'm doing a lot of home remedy at the moment. Like I'm doing a lot of that stuff of like rubbing it in the hope that that might just make it better. Heat like, pack, you know, cold pack, all that kind of stuff. You got the wheat pack on it? I've been leaning against walls. I've been hanging from doors. I've been going around this Airbnb I'm staying in in Adelaide <laughs> and trying to find places that I can hang off without breaking the door. <laughs> that would be amazing if you ended up breaking your back trying to fix your shoulder from, right. <laughs> from a door frame. Turns out he is not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, the maid comes into your room. And she's like, uh-oh, we've got another Michael Hutchins thing going on here. And you're like, no, 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 I'm just... Trying to fix my shoulder. Yeah, sure. It just so happens that you just come back from your bathroom, you're taking your belt out of your pants, and you're like, oh, I might stretch my shoulder. <laughs> um, but the worst thing is that I did it sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Go, go on, Bear Grills. Tell me about your latest adventure. Well... <laughs> Well, here's the thing, Charlie, you laugh at me now, and fair enough, laugh away, but you turned 40 this year, and what mm. you haven't realized about turning 40 is, and Michael and I were having this conversation just before we went on air, and I was saying it's so embarrassing because it hurt, it, I hurt my shoulder so badly while I was sleeping, and Michael said to me that uh, once you're over the age of 40, it is a perfectly legitimate excuse to say, I injured myself while sleeping. <laughs> It happens. You just sometimes wake up and you go, ah, oh, I'm old. All right, I'm pitching you a new idea. It's a reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street, a new reboot, but it targets specifically men over 40 and there's no actual Freddy Krueger. It's just every time the guys go to sleep, they wake up with an injury. Yes. One, two cramps coming for you. <laughs> Three, four, you're going to trip over going to the bathroom door. <laughs> Five, six, have some Nutra mix. <laughs> Seven, eight, gonna stay up and watch Late Line. <laughs> <laughs> and nine, ten, never sleep again, because that is actually <laughs> true. Because I can't sleep now, because I get into a comfortable fucking position, and then I move one centimetre, and I'm awake. It is my nightmare on Elm Street. You're right. Wow. That's awful. That's awful. Um, yeah. Does it, was it, a, was it a, a vigorous dream you were having? Can you remember the actual movement? Did you wake up suddenly, or did you just wake up and your neck didn't move? Um, 
I can't remember what it was in the dream, but from the pain I'm having, I feel like, what's the sort of thing I might have been doing in a dream? Okay, you know what? You know what it might you have been? You sleep with your arm behind your head. Sometimes that happens to me. I put my arm behind my head and then I wake up, my arm's numb. Mate, that's guys like you who are in good nick like you and you know that if you lengthen out, everyone will be able to see your abs more if you've got your arm behind your head. I know your fucking business. Keeps, <laughs> yeah, right. Keep Skype open on his computer just in case people are spying in. Anyway, my arm's just back here behind my head. Um, no, I reckon here's, here's what I reckon it probably was. Um, the injury feels like... Um, Australia's been playing in India in the test match in, uh, in India and it's been a two-test series and it's obviously been a big one for the spin bowlers uh, because of the sort of pitches they have in, in, in India. And I think that I've had a cricket dream. I feel, <laughs> yeah. It feels like I've bowled 50 overs on a dust bowl against the Indians. Like, you know, there's been an injury mid-game and they've brought me in as the sub and I've been bowling my uh, offies. But because, yeah. I haven't had, because I haven't had a bowl for a few years, it's the next day now after my triumphant nine for 18 and uh, I can't get my arm over anymore. Well, that's perfect because if, if it is from a cricket dream, then you should just treat it like an old school cricketer, like a cricketer from the 70s. You should just have a VB as soon as you wake up. Right. <laughs> just put a lump of ice on it and a VB. You know, all the photos of all the old cricketers are always drinking piss. Right. And you'd also have like a couple of VB cans just strapped to it instead yeah. of an ice pack. It's just yeah. like, I'll just take those off when I'm ready, when I'm finished. That's what happened with Booney every time he went to the metal detector at the airport. They lift up his shirt and you just have like 47 cans strapped to his body. I mean, that's the weird thing is that I did wake up this morning with a moustache that I couldn't explain. So <laughs> maybe there is a Dirty chance. Sa Dirty Sanchez, Will. <laughs> that's the answer. <laughs> um, yeah. I too, um, I, I have a pre-40s injury but my the way i got mine is so much more embarrassing um because i'm uh, staying in your flat in la and uh, i've been trying to get to the gym but sometimes uh, i just don't have time so i've downloaded this uh app it's like a personal trainer app where you just sort of program program in what you want to do and then this little video says hey now like do this exercise and at times and all that kind of stuff and so i'm all fine with like normal exercises push-ups sit-ups and stuff but then in the mix, it started throwing these like martial arts moves, like, you know, front kick. I'm like, okay, I can do a front kick. And it's like side kick. I'm like, yeah, okay, I can do a side kick. Um, I should add, I'm in my underwear in your living room at this point. And to describe your living room, it's, it's a, almost like a studio apartment. It's a big wide open space. And so open plan living dining area. I had like the blinds open and I was in the middle of your living room uh, in my underpants, not really considering what was going to happen. Because then the next one is, do a spinning kick. <laughs> now, look, before your hip thing, you might have been quite a, 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 an accomplished martial artist, Will. I've only known you for about 15 years, but um, I am not. <laughs> and so the front kick and the side kick, I'm okay at. But then like, I'm watching a little video demonstration, and it's doing this like spin kick. And it's the best way I can describe it. Do you remember the first Lethal Weapon? Um, where Mel Gibson's just arrived at the police station, he's getting to know all the other cops, and he's showing the cops like how to do a spin kick. Actually, it might be from Lethal Weapon 2. I might be mistaken. But there's a scene where he's showing one of the other cops how to do a spin kick. So I'm like the old cop who doesn't know how to do the spin kick. I'm trying to like get my leg around and stuff. And then finally, I think I should just need to put a bit of oomph into it. So I do the big spin. <clears throat> I'm standing on your rug. My foot gets twisted up from the rug, and I just pirouette around in my underpants. And then starfish onto the ground, bum to the window. A <laughs> um, couple of things I love about that. Firstly, yeah. um, as we've previously established, um, you know, my neighbours downstairs are a little worried about there being set too much sound from the apartment up above. So that's really helping. Thank you. <laughs> I was on the rug, mate. I couldn't hear a thing. <laughs> Secondly, as we've previously established, Dolph Lundgren probably lives in the building. So he would be doing those sort of exercises, I imagine, all the time. Well, he's part two of my story. So I didn't realise you had a gym on the top floor. Gemma only yeah. pointed that out to me, like, today. So I've gone up there, and there's this um, big, like, heavy martial arts bag. And I'm like, oh. And I started looking around that top floor, and I started thinking, oh, they probably, this is like the big apartments they probably have like sort of penthouse apartments on this top floor because it's kind they of do. like a different section they do right i'm looking at this big bag and all the weights and like i reckon this is where dolph works out 
So I'm going to give this heavy bag a bit of a go. I'm going to see if I can do that spin kick again, you know, get the personal trainer app going again and stuff. Mate, the last hour, my left hip is so sore. I don't know what's happened. I was kicking with my right leg, but like, I feel like I have like a cricket ball in my left hip now. I don't know if I've dislocated or what, but that was just me trying to do a spin kick on a heavy bag. Well, here's the thing, Charlie, because I am a bit of a hip expert. Um, mm. Firstly, I would say if your hip's too sore, there's some medicine in the drawer. Uh, <laughs> that's my, that's my professional slogan. If your hip's too sore, the medicine's in the drawer. <laughs> Three, four, the medicine's in the drawer. <laughs> I've got some specific hip medicine for you right there, so that's lucky. Good, good. It's a great, it's a great place to do a hip injury, my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but secondly, I will tell you that it's not dislocated because if it was dislocated, right, yeah. it, I dislocated my hips once. It was. Yeah, part, no, when, I, I, I didn't it, seriously think it was dislocated. It is one of the most incredibly painful things that'll ever happen in your life. So how you did you get it, it back in? Uh, well, the doctor had to eventually. I couldn't do anything about How it. How long fact, was it dislocated for? I actually feel a bit sick. <clears throat> oh, it was horrible. Um, I was up in Byron Bay. I dislocated it running on sand. So Hang just on, like, how long ago? Do I, did I, how long ago was this? Was this recently? Oh, no, nah, like 12 Like in the last 10 years? No, nah, oh, 12 right. years ago. It was before when I discovered that I had osteoarthritis in my hips. And that's, that was why we were confused for a while because I dislocated it. Um, it turns out the two were connected, but... Um, but right. we didn't know that at the time. We just thought I dislocated my hips running on the sand because I was running on like soft sand and I just must have stepped in some way and whatever the fuck, the, you know, what happened. Mm. So I've, I've got back to the apartment that we were staying in on the beach and then I lay down and I could not get back up. Like even to get me to hospital, like they had to lay me in the car. Like they probably should have got an ambulance, but we thought we could make it in the car, but I couldn't. <laughs> But I couldn't see For up. some reason, they sent the hospital's motorbike. And you're like, ah, oh, this isn't going to work. You have to fold yourself in half over the back seat. It was a motorbike with a, a sidecar. So they just laid yeah. me on the sidecar. They sent a panel van and they just put me on the surfboard racks off the top. Yeah. They just sent a bike and put you in one of those surfboard holders. You know, those two hooks that kids put oh. on the sides of their bikes. They said the ambulance is out right now, but we can probably get in an Uber. <laughs> it's actually an Uber Eats. We've ordered a pizza, but they will pick you up on the way. We don't have an ambulance, but we've got four kids with skateboards. Right. Now, if they move at the same speed, you should be fine. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, would be horrible. How long? Yeah. So how long from it coming out to getting to the hospital and getting put in? Oh, hours. It was pretty painful. And even when I went back in, then there was like six weeks of it just still really, really hurting pretty much all the time. It was, it was yeah, it was terrible. That's, um, yeah, that's, uh, you've heard that urban myth about the dude, the footballer dislocates his hip and then the runner comes out and puts it back in and he screams even harder and they worked out that his testicles had gone into his hip cavity. Have you heard that story? Oh man, even if I have. I don't know if it's true. But. I, f I feel like I have heard that, but I feel like my brain has done that thing to preserve myself like women don't <laughs> like don't remember childbirth pain as accurately as it yeah. was so you can have another kid. I feel like you can constantly tell me that story over and over and each time my brain will erase the memory of that image because that is yeah. horrifying. It's like, that's, it's like that story is specifically designed to make men cry. Right. It's like, no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> I didn't even consider that was a possibility when my hip was out. Can you imagine if we tried to put it back in and my ball sack was also caught in there? Oh, my God. Actually, Mike Hal, can you do a bit of just uh, 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 Wikipedia research? Or not Wikipedia, just Google it. Um, just find out, can your testicles get into your hip socket? Right. Can testicles oh. get trapped in hip socket? I wonder if you typed in, can testicles get trapped in, and then what oh. the top five searches would be? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Let's, let's go through the top five searches when it comes up. Michael, can you do good. that for us? Okay. Snope says no. Uh, okay, there you go. Oh, so it was an urban myth. Well, that's good. That means it never happened. We can sleep easy. Well, I can sleep easy. You can't. You've got a sore neck. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got wonky hips, and I'm now terrified. <laughs> Because <laughs> maybe it hasn't happened yet, but maybe it will happen at some stage. Good on Snopes, though. It's good to have Snopes there to be able to check these sort of things. That would be a fun assignment. Actually, it wouldn't be a bad job to be a debunker, would it? Like, if you get... I mean, how would Snopes work? I guess they'd have, like, contributors and they would get assigned certain urban myths. Yeah, I think they, they were quite a small operation originally. It was just a couple of 
people who kind of did it as their pet project, I believe. Um, but yeah, now it's growing, obviously, because there's so many things to fact check these days. That yeah, fuck, man. It's I mean, crazy. When, when they started, it was a hobby, but, but mm. they, re- they really got in at the right time. They did not know that people just completely making up facts and lying about things all the time was suddenly going to become a boom industry. They had a little boutique cottage industry and it's turned into a massive thing. That's the one thing that's struck me about being over here is um, you know, just sort of driving around and seeing billboards and commercials and like fame is such a commodity here. Like even people probably don't realize back in Australia, but even big stars do commercials over here. Like you'll see like fucking movie stars and Tina Fey selling phones and, and whatever. Um, and it, you just sort of like, oh yeah, that's right. Like, you know, America sort of built this commodity out of fame. But I feel like now we sort of created this thing and it was like our entertainment. It's like, yes, let's have this concept of fame and make people celebrities and it'll be, you know, we'll just warm our fires around this like, like entertainment. But then suddenly the genie's out of the bottle and now fame has been weaponized and they've just like taken someone who was famous and capitalized on how popular he was or, you know, how we seem to tell it like it is. And now it's just sort of become this, like, what have we, what have we wrought? Right. Well, particularly with celebrities, because celebrities have just become, you know, traveling salespeople essentially like just flogging the idea of capitalism and commercialism to us you know it's 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 one of those things where particularly in america i mean america built its system on you know capitalism it's the you know the shining light of sort of the free market and advertising and marketing and hollywood's obviously you know the number one hollywood is the thing that sold america to the rest of the world right if we really think about it so they've yep. always been salespeople. They've been salespeople for America. But I think it's amazing now the amount of advertisements you see over there that, that, that like you said, like just chock full of celebrities and actors now. Yeah, yeah. And I even um, uh, was talking to this manager the other day and she was saying that studios now will, they've got like so many algorithms to sort of determine like a, 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 like a project success. And they even have algorithms where they will make an announcement about a potential pairing of, say, like a, a, a like you know, a, a, a comic book film and a star, and see what the reaction is like online, and from that develop an algorithm to go, oh, like Channing Tatum, yeah, people like the idea of Channing Tatum as Gambit, that's great, okay, we'll go with that. But then if they say, hey, we're making a female Ghostbusters, they're like, uh, I don't know, well, let's make it anyway. And see what <laughs> but it's interesting because she was talking about as much as she, with her clients, is sort of loath to. Um, you know, encourage sort of like social media if that's not in their makeup. You know, she said it's actually, you know, fan engagement and stuff. That's how things get greenlit now. And, you know, she said she sort of has that appreciation for that Daniel Day-Lewis type movie star or whatever who just wants to come and do their job and get out. But more often than not now, there's that is a prerequisite, not a prerequisite, but at least like a consideration. If you're deciding between two stars of about the same kind of wattage, but one has no social media presence and another has like, you know, a million followers on Instagram. Well, you've got to make a decision. That's not a bad reason to sort of split it down the line. Yeah, but wouldn't you rather go and see a Daniel Day-Lewis movie almost because you don't know as much about him? You know, well, you, don't, what... you don't have their everyday life colouring your appreciation of them as an artist. Like I think mm. so often, like I won't see someone in a film because I don't like that person. Because you've seen too mm. much of them in real life. Like, if I had only ever seen The Office, I would still like Ricky Gervais. But I unfortunately <laughs> followed him on Twitter, and now I can't wait for him to die. And, <laughs> and hopefully find out that there is a God, because I am willing to give up my beliefs in atheism just so Ricky Gervais is fucking wrong about it. Shit, man. You know this will get back to him. That dude is oh, very proactive when it comes to responding to... People like who who make not like other famous people, just anyone who bags him out. He goes after them. He like he must search his own name, mate. Because a lot of the time they they aren't people who have like put his handle or anything in there. He's obviously just searching through for people saying bad things about Ricky Gervais so he can respond to them publicly. Again, mm. that's another reason why I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say, but I would, but wouldn't you argue that it can work the other way in that there's. Uh, an actor who you do follow that you like, like The Rock or, you know, um, you know, I like uh, Ewan McGregor. I like following on social media and stuff. And there's some uh, projects of theirs that are, I'm not that interested in, but I like them. So I want to support them. doesn't mean maybe I won't buy an opening day ticket, but I'll download a film of theirs or something like they'll get, they'll get some custom out of me. Um, 
do you, do you think there would ever be a time, I would love to see this actually, where Daniel Day-Lewis just decides that he's going to go full in on social media? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. for, for so many years he's been a mystery and then one day just official D Daniel Day-Lewis comes up on Twitter and he won't stop fucking tweeting. <laughs> okay, so who's the biggest... Who's the biggest male Instagram famous person there is? Or social media famous? Uh, Not Bieber, like Bieber, or, Bieber someone. or someone, right? But no, but like someone who's exclusively like a social media guy. Like, you know, is that, that dude that, I don't know, he's like a New York director. He goes around and films things on his GoPro all the time. If you, you know what I'm talking about? No, that sounds terrible. He looks, like Corey, he looks like Corey Feldman. He's huge. He's just been hired by CNN. He's this dude who just used to make these videos. Anyway, let's just say there's a Justin Bieber of Instagram or whatever, okay. right? The way to get Daniel Day-Lewis on social media is to cast him in the role as Justin Bieber right. because then he's such a method actor, he would open an Instagram account. He'd start posting like little videos of, you know, what he's thinking and what he's having for lunch and he's just got sent a new pair of shoes. And Well, actually, he wouldn't get sent a new pair of shoes. He would make a pair of shoes because as we know, <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis is a cobbler. Okay, I think you're actually right. You have to cast Daniel Day-Lewis as a social media influencer. And he would be so yeah, dedicated that's the only way to, to get that, him on social media. Would... Yeah, but once the film's done, he'll he'll delete his accounts. Right, but up until that point, like constantly on Twitter, you know, yeah. Snapchat, Instagramming. Yeah. He's got his own yeah. podcast. <laughs> All right, here's what we do. He's the consummate actor. He can play anyone. We cast him as Kim Kardashian. Right. Oh yeah, Daniel Day Lewis is Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> That is a third Oscar right there. <laughs> DDL, get your people to call TOEFOP. We don't have a phone number, but you'll find us. Right. <laughs> if you know where Dolph Lundgren lives, same, <laughs> same building. You call Dolph. You probably know Dolph. So you yeah. call Dolph, find out where he lives, and through that you can find Charlie or I. Yeah, get us you'll, find me, you'll find me limping around the gym upstairs with a broken hip. <laughs> Um, is he working again, Daniel Day-Lewis? What was the last thing he did? He hasn't done something for a Lincoln. while. Yeah, it must be time for him to come back and Can do we, another film, uh, Mike, right? how could you tell us what uh, DDL's up to? Yeah. I know no one calls him that, but I I'm going to start it, DDL. So with DDL, um, yeah. sounds, it sounds like a 2020 cricket league. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn Maxwell made it a really quick 20 in the DDL overnight. <laughs> um, DDL. It also sounds like a new party drug too. Man, have you taken DDL? Yeah, oh, or it's, it's nuts, man. I thought I had one left foot. <laughs> or it's like for people who are on the down low, but on the down, down low. Yeah, right. Mate, keep, can you keep this on the DDL? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, oh, he's filming an untitled Paul Thomas Anderson film. Is, could you think of a more DDL sentence than that? An untitled right. Paul Thomas Anderson film? Right. But also, could not an untitled Paul Thomas Anderson film be about... Kim Kardashian because oh, firstly of course he's the perfect director for that material he'd, he'd make a great interpretation of it commentary on yep. sort of modern society you cast Daniel mm -hmm. Day-Lewis to play Kim Kardashian that's a very Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> thing today and that's the reason it's still untitled because the minute they reveal the title everybody will know what the movie's about so they've got to keep yeah. it top secret yeah they've got it I think when they do the kind of early uh buzz advertising it would be more like it'd be a KK I think that they would do sort of like that hint at it. It wouldn't be explicit or maybe kind of silhouette of buttocks or something like that. You know, like when before Batman 89 came out, they just released the bat symbol poster. Right. But they didn't put the word Batman or anything there. It was just the symbol. You just have like buttocks. <laughs> it's just a silhouette right. of buttocks. Well, that, that, that photo that broke the internet, you know, the famous yes, photo. the champagne of her, one. Yeah, that was the one that, you know, allegedly broke the internet. That's the perfect one, right? Because that's obviously yeah. what this movie's about, the idea of breaking the internet and modern day fame, right? And so you have the poster and that iconic outline, but up the top it just says, Daniel Day-Lewis is, and then it has just the outline. Yeah, perfect. Don't tell but me people aren't going to go to no, that I'm, I think No, but I'm thinking earlier in the campaign. We, want, we don't want to, oh. people to get it straight away. I think it's more an obscure something that'll get people talking about. So oh, like okay. the KK, was that Chris Kringle? What are we talking about? Right. Um, but, you know, what, what are the KKs could it be? What <laughs> KKK? Yeah, no. <laughs> in the current climate, fucking hell. Yeah, we're the, you know, Klux, we're the Klux Klan. We dropped the coup. <laughs> coup. Yeah. <laughs>
We could never remember if it was Koo or Clue, so we yeah. we just dropped that. We're just the Klux Klan now. We thought it was too uncouth or uncouth. We're not sure. We're not sure. <laughs> just be cool. So does DDL, famous yeah. method actor, apparently for my left foot, he uh, refused to, he, he had to be wheeled onto set and stuff because he didn't get out of character. Um, does he go prosthetics? Because he has to play a young girl, an Armenian woman. Or, and particularly with her proportions, yeah. does he go the whole hog and get like implants? I mean, I guess like Daniel, that, that's why he's had so much time off since Lincoln. What do you do with Lincoln? I mean, because Lincoln had a prosthetic nose or something, didn't he? But he did a funny voice because apparently Abraham Lincoln has a high voice. <laughs> and so he did a, I mean, it was weird because he would give these speeches, but he sounds like Kermit the Frog on Helium. <laughs> Check it out on YouTube if you don't believe me. Apparently it's accurate. Abraham Lincoln had a high voice, but why does it talk like this, Will? <laughs> Four score and 24 years ago. <laughs> I'm, Since I mean, day. <laughs> look, I imagine there would be a lot of backlash from people going, you know, why did this job as an Armenian woman go to a white man you know i can imagine there being some sort of critical mm -hmm. backlash to that so i'm imagining that daniel day lewis has somehow both made himself armenian and a woman in preparation okay. for this film so is it like tropic thunder type stuff where it's like experimental surgery with dying skin and implants and stuff he's gone he's got stuff put into him yeah, I think so. Probably got some Armenian DNA inserted Heck, as well. Well, he, knowing, knowing DDL like we know him, yeah, for him to commit, like he said about that my left foot, uh, why he stayed in character, he's gone, well, my, that, this real-life person couldn't just get up and walk to lunch. No. And for me to understand that, I'm not going to let myself just get up and walk for lunch. As long as we're doing this film, I'm going to stay in character. So whatever DDL takes to become KK, he's going to make sure it's something he can't just take off. Like he's not going to unzip his bum, like his prosthetic bum and go to lunch. Right. Like he wants to know what it's like to sit on the buttocks of Kim Kardashian. Yeah, I can imagine when they had the meeting originally and somebody suggested that he just wears a suit, he just looked at them and goes, uh, do I look like Eddie Murphy? Does this look like <laughs> the clumps? I am Daniel Day-Lewis, motherfucker. <laughs> this is not Big Mama's house. Yeah, exactly, my friends. What do you think this is? I am our generation's finest actor and cobbler. Yeah. I do not That's wear when, a fat suit. I imagine at that moment, Daniel Day-Lewis goes like, and his personal assistant runs up and opens a briefcase with two Oscars in it, and he just points to it. Take a look. You see there? Two gold guys, motherfucker. Daniel Day-Lewis. Remember it. Just like Rob Van Dam is like, because I'm D-D-L. <laughs> It would be great if he did the, like, that's, we all think of him as this really serious guy, but it turns out yeah. in meetings, he's incredibly cocky, always bringing up his Oscars, how good yeah. he is. And then at the end, he yeah. signs out by doing the DDL in the Rob Van Dam way out of every meeting. DDL out. He, grab, he grabs an Oscar in each hand and just kind of points them to his head. He spells out the DDL. Two motherfucker drops. Oh, Oscar. he's got three Oscars. Shit, oh, man. Shit, man. If DDL, if DDL finds out about this, we're fucked. You know, uh, actually, that would be that would be my, the biggest get. Hang on, on. My, my left foot. Did he win the Oscar for that? He won it. My for, left foot, Lincoln, um, and and uh, the the oil one. In the name of the oh yeah right not in the name of the father no um no oh my left yeah, foot there, there will be there blood in Lincoln blood. yeah there will be in blood. Lincoln That's... yeah in Lincoln. <laughs> Uh, that would be, he would be a perfect get, you know, like every now and then they take a dramatic actor and give them a comedy role. Like, you know, Liam Neeson, you know, suddenly doing comedy or like when Tom Cruise did Tropic Thunder and stuff. If you could talk DDL into doing something like that, like making it like for funny or die or something like that, you know, he's raising money for charity. He just makes fun of himself. That would, that would be priceless because he seems so serious. Is, is, could there be a chance that Robert De Niro style, because let's be honest, Robert De Niro was like a similarly respected actor of his generation, right? Um, and he's gone clearly in his older age. He's just gone, fuck it. I don't care what I do anymore. I'm the dirty grandpa. I don't care what I do anymore and I don't care if you immunise your kids. <laughs> yeah. He's got, he's got a few controversial opinions, it turns out. Um, is there any chance that we'll see that period of a career from Daniel Day-Lewis? 
Is there any chance that he'll have he'll get to 60 and just go, fuck it, I don't need to be serious anymore and try so hard. I'm just going to make some comedies or I'm going to appear in an Adam Sandler film or I'm going to... Or the Liam Neeson route where he just starts yeah. killing people. You know, Daniel Day-Lewis's daughter gets stolen and he tracks people down. He could do that, surely. I'm just, I get the feeling though, like... I mean, De Niro and, and Liam Neeson, they kept sort of regularly working. They seemed to like working. Uh, whereas DDL takes like years in between films. I think he's happy cobbling or whatever he right. does in his downtime. I mean, how? all right, put a business hat on, Will, for a second. Okay. You're his sure. manager and his agent. Uh-huh. He's one of the greatest actors of our generation. He only does films every now and then. Because of his pedigree... And the fact that he rarely comes to do films, does that mean they can ask for a lot? Or does the fact that he only works every now and then work against him? Because the, the studio can argue, well, look, fuck, you know, he hasn't done a film in however many years. We don't know if his our algorithms don't know if uh, he's going he's gonna to make money for us. Well, I reckon he's probably a pretty good uh, investment. But I think he probably doesn't do big films necessarily that are going to make millions of dollars so that brings your value down and i imagine he's a person who probably as an actor wants the films he's in to be really good and if you go in and ask for too much money eventually that's money that's coming out of making the rest of the film so i think he'd be reasonably priced can we find out can we google what he got paid for lincoln that's probably publicly available right if we google what did daniel day lewis get paid to play Lincoln. What's your guess beforehand? Because that was a Spiel, Spielberg, right? Is that who that was? Yeah. I mean, it looks like it's a big budget film. So let's say right. it's a hundred million dollar film, at least, uh-huh. you'd think. Okay. Around about a hundred. I reckon, I reckon, oh geez. I mean, the whole film hinged on him. I reckon he probably got 10 million for that. Eight, between eight to 10. Okay. Well, let's see if we can find out what he got what do you reckon? Lincoln. Yeah, I would say, if, yeah, six million dollars. Okay. Actually, maybe, we, uh, yeah, six million. I'm going to say six million. He got paid. But in Lincoln, <laughs> <but> no, no. <laughs> we haven't found anything, obviously. <laughs> we both put, no, hard to find. See, yeah, can you find it? How, can you find out how much he gets paid an hour as a cobbler? <laughs> What's the standard rate per hour for a cobbler? <laughs> <laughs> is it more or less I, than being a Hollywood movie star? Because that would be a great conversation where his agent comes to him and says, look, um, they really want you for Lincoln, but uh, times are tough, man. Times are tough. Um, they want to pay you $14 an hour. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I get $18 an hour as a cobbler. It's like, I know, I know. It's a $100 million film. Yeah, but Spielberg, he needs, uh, he needs all that to put up, up on screen. <laughs> like, are you lowballing me because I only work once every four years and I'm a cobbler? <laughs> Yes, DDL. <laughs> Shit. 3.9 million. Oh, there you go. See? Reasonable. That's half Reasonably of what priced. you ha, half of what you got half of what you guessed. I said six. That's oh, not half. I thought you said yeah. eight. Right. No, I said eight. I said eight. Yeah. Half of what I guessed. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so firstly, you're not my agent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even no. had any of your hip medicine yet. Well, I reckon that you're right though. There is that sort of thing of him going, you, I'm happy on a cobbler's wage ordinarily, you know, so maybe, you know, I don't really care too much. If I get like $4 million, then, you know, that's still pretty good in cobbling terms. That's a lot of cobbling. That's what he always says at the end when the agent comes back. (laughs) Spielberg's off at 3.9 and he goes, well, that's a lot of cobbling. So... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, I'd like I'd like to know uh, I'd like to know if there's ever been a conversation in his career in which some publicist or whatever has been like, "We want to get you on um, uh, Jimmy Fallon." You know, you're going to be playing Celebrity Head or something like right. that. Yeah, how do you feel about giant beer pong, Daniel Day Lewis? <laughs> yeah. Who's the but guy he, that's the carpool, carpool karaoke? James Corden. Uh, James Corden. Corden. James Corden. He wants to sing some songs with you in a car, DDL. <laughs> no, because DDL would then go and live as the artist that they wanted to, like, you know, he'd get in the car and you'd be like, hang on, are you Adele? Yeah. <laughs> so that's right. So DDL. 
DD Adele? <laughs> Are you DD Adele? <laughs> DDL, you need to get yeah. him on a. You need if you need to get him on a talk show to promote your film. It's easy. Yeah. You just get him to go to like another role. Just go get him to spend time with Chris Pratt or Bill Murray or any of these excellent talk, talk show guests. Like just say, oh yeah, that's right. You're going to be playing a talk show guest. So we've, we've, we've hooked you and Bill Murray a week a weekend away playing golf. Just fucking learn from Bill. Learn from Bill, and then I reckon he could be really good at it. But do you reckon his wife ever gets frustrated around the house and she's like, hey? How about you get a role as someone who puts the toilet seat down, you dickhead? How about, how about getting involved in the method of doing the dishes? How about that, cobble? <laughs> how about you do some cobbling at home? You have to cobble for other people, but there's cobbling around here that needs to get done that you never do. Where is he married? What the, can you pull up a, a bit of DDL info for us? I, I don't even yeah. know what his story is. Well, he's what such a he mystery. Kids? He's intriguing. That's the, he is intriguing, isn't he? Like yeah. That's what makes him... Like, it's funny, there's sort of parallel careers. You think about someone like Gary Oldman. You know how for the first 15 years of Gary Oldman's career, you weren't actually sure what his real voice sounded like? Right. Because every time you saw him, <clears throat> he was a completely different person. DDL has that same kind of thing where it's like, I actually don't really know. He's Irish? Is well, he Irish? Here's, here's the thing, mate. This is what, like, what you don't get when someone's on Snapchat or social media. This dude is a mystery to us. He was born in London. He's been married since 1996. I do kind of remember he might have been married to someone famous or the daughter of someone famous or something like that. I don't know who he's married to. But, that, but yeah, so he's British. Mm. I guess Daniel Day-Lewis, that does sound very... And he's, Rebecca Miller is his wife. I don't know who that is. I don't know. She, she might be an actress or something. Oh, is she, they... Arthur, is she Arthur Miller's daughter? The playwright? The guy who wrote The oh Crucible? Oh, my God. This could be a Will. Yes! Yes! Wow. I've had to go out with one arm because my other shoulder's really <laughs> sore, but I am celebrating with my one good remaining shoulder at that moment. Wow. Will takes the title of the human internet. It's 1 to 135. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but do you think with... Because this manager who was talking about the algorithms was saying, like, you know, she likes going to a film and forgetting that it's her client and just sort of watching them, you know, disappear into the role. And I was like, come on, like, do you ever really, like, we all know when we go into the film who's on the poster. Like, you don't think that's actually Abraham Lincoln. You don't think it's, you know, whoever they're pretending to be. In fact, I would argue more often than not, you know, I'm going to a film to see, oh, it's Matt Damon as like a, a obsessed, uh, you know, gay man. It's Matt Damon as a, a secret killer. It's Matt Damon as a, you know, an astronaut. Like who they are or, you know, the reason I go to see their films, it's not, even with the most kind of charismatic um, or, you know, actors who are chameleons, like ultimately, you know, that's what you're going for. It's watching them spin plates. Yeah, I'm not, not, I'm not 100% sure about that. I don't think from my point of view. Yeah, I can certainly understand in those big sort of franchisey films, it's like, you know, I, Tom Cruise playing a secret agent or, you know, Tom Cruise playing a guy who makes cocktails or a jet fighter or whatever. I get that. Um, but I think with some other films, I do, particularly like when they're playing a real person or if it's a compelling, that spotlight story, you know, for example. Mm. Of course, at the start of the movie, you're aware that they're all, famous actors and you're like oh well that's all these famous actors but there was certainly a point within that film where i really started thinking about them as the characters rather than i mean yeah it, in it, 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 it's it's a, it's a willing suspension of disbelief you go in going okay i know that's fucking mark ruffalo and michael keaton but i'm going to allow myself to go oh no they're 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 news reporters or whatever yeah but isn't what you're describing acting <laughs> Like, isn't, well, no, it's not. Or, well, it, isn't it is, all but of it, it but, but, but it's more. My point it, is, isn't it, the conceit of all entertainment? Like, no one actually thinks it's the people, right? Like, no one actually what? thinks it's the people, but you can then see them play that people and, like, you know, those people and become those people. Of course, I'm not arguing that, though. I'm, it's more the idea that, oh, the reason I go to films is to watch people disappear into roles. I think I don't. I just, that's not why I see films. Like, otherwise, I mean, there's a million uh, Netflix independent movies with cast you've never heard of that, you know, you'd probably 
be more inclined to go, oh, shit, you know, I wonder if that drill sergeant was a real drill sergeant or whatever. But, you know, maybe with character actors, that, but that's not how the, star, how the star system is built. Even with indie films, even with your kind of more think pieces, not necessarily Hollywood films, you know, they package it up with a star. They package it up with a name, not only so investors will put money in and distributors will put you, show your film, it's so people will come see it. So I think it's, you know... Kate Blanchett is amazing and transforms every time she does a role, but that's what I'm paying to see is Kate Blanchett. Oh my God, she's so amazing. That accent is flawless. And, you know, I, you know, she seems, she's really feeling it. Like it's, it's just the, I think you can't sort of on one hand go, oh, it's a shame they have to sell, well, not sell their personalities that films get sold on a star when that's what the system is. You know, that's what Hollywood is built on. Uh, no, I agree that that's what the commercial arm of the system is and i mm. i agree i agree with you about all that but the only other counterpoint i would offer is remember when you see someone who you don't know be great for the first time i think there is something better about that and that performance and a way you can connect to it sometimes in a way that that character becomes what that actor is synonymous for forever i mean you think yeah. about um what's his name uh taylor no, what's the guy Wartner? from uh, yeah from Friday? No, who's the Friday Night Lights one? <laughs> Taylor Kitsch. Taylor Kitsch, yeah, right. And yeah. so, like in Friday Night Lights, that character you don't know him before that, and so he feels like you actually think that Taylor Kitsch is that character because the character is you don't have any impression of who Taylor Kitsch is in real life, you know. So you actually go you put the character's imprint on the actor rather than the actor's imprint on the character and I think there mm -hmm. is something more special about seeing someone for the first time when you don't have yeah. that extra information that does heighten the connection you have with it now that's obviously not sustainable because you would have to have every movie new cast every new time. cast or you'd have to like yeah. before you went in like have that men in black thing that erased your mind <laughs> they'd be like hey did you enjoy Tom Hanks in this well just take this Rohypnol straight after the uh, movie and you won't remember it and you can come back and see it again <laughs> But I, I also think it's the balance of like how these, you know, how these films are made or TV shows is that there are character actors who you, you know, you, you, it takes the fucking 10th or 12th viewing before you go, oh my God, that's the fucking same guy from that film where he played like an overweight judge and now he's playing like a fucking crack addict. And now, you know, because a supporting character's role is not to, you know, be the audience's advocate it's like they can disappear and do whatever they want but that's not the way like drama is really structured like romeo and juliet like the audience has to buy those two kids and then all the supporting cast can be as you know as extreme or as, as forgettable or as um you know uh um disappear in the character as much as they want but i think that it's often the hero of a story is the most boring one you know because there has to be someone going What's going on now? Who's that wizard? Oh, now I can do this now? Okay, sure, cool. Because, you know, they're the audience advocate. And so that is the role best filled with a dude that you're like, oh, I like that guy from Friday Night Lights. I'm going to go see that film about Mars. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to go and see that film about uh, Battleship, based on Battleship. It'll be great, <laughs> I'm sure, because I'd love him in Friday Night Lights. Yeah, we've talked about this before, but it was interesting. Him and Chris Hemsworth came up at exactly the same time. Yeah. Probably got the same scripts put in front of them, but it's just like, gee, it's a head scratcher, isn't it? Uh, well, okay. Well, sometimes it just happens, I suppose. Well, I mean, could you really blame Taylor Kitsch for picking the uh, uh, Gladiator Mars film over playing the a hairless space Viking from another dimension? <laughs> like, come on, like when both films are pitched to you, well, it's really fucking just toss a coin, right? They both yeah. sound fucking ridiculous. Right. <laughs> no, it's a good point, isn't it? Like, we, two things that are equally ridiculous propositions when your agent calls you about them. You're essentially both playing, like, you know, weird alien, big-budget space movie characters, and one just turns out to be super successful and set you up for the rest of your life. And have you seen Logan Yeah. Uh, no, have you? No, I've been trying to work on my new show and I thought at least until my new show opened that I shouldn't go to the movies, but it's my first reward to myself 
as soon as it opens officially on Friday night, I'm going to go and see it because I hear it's just great. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things. But I did one of those things where a mate um, texted me last weekend saying, hey, do you want to go see Logan? I said, yeah, yeah. But then I got bogged down with work as well. And so I had to sort of cancel. And I said, let's go see it later in the week. And then last night, Gemma and I were out for dinner. And she's like, maybe we should see a film. Maybe we should see Logan. I'm like, ah. I said, I, I, I sort of promised. And he's got like a kid. You know, so him getting out of the house, like, you know, it would be a big deal for him to get out of the house. And Jim's like, I'm sure if you understand, like, I, like, I feel bad. Do you understand that? Like when you've made a promise to see, what? Well, I didn't make a promise. We made plans and they canceled. Then we had made a vague arrangement to maybe see it later in the week. Would you do the same thing? I just would have seen it twice because I know I want to see it twice anyway. So I'll just be like, let's go and see it. And then I will go and see it again with my friend later in the week. Yeah. Because I've yeah, already made that idea. commitment. That's what I would have said to Gemma. This was how I would have done it. I would have gone, hey, Gem, okay. I've already made this commitment to go and see it later in the week, so I'm going to have to go and do that regardless. Um, just so you know, later on yeah. you don't have an argument over why you're going to see a movie <laughs> that you've already seen with this dude. And Three so, days but you, ago. But if you want to see it, I'm more than happy to come and see it with you tonight and then I'll go and catch it with him again. I'm sure I'll want to see it twice. That's what yeah. I would have done. Well, we actually found a, 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 a better alternative. We went to the New Beverly last night, which is uh, Quentin Tarantino's Revival Cinema. Uh-huh. And we uh, saw Assault on Precinct 13. It was fucking great. It was so... Have you been there? No, I haven't been. They do really great things there too. Edgar Wright was mm. doing a bunch of programming and a whole bunch of... I've always wanted to go, but I've never made it. It's, it's, it's old school. Like there used to be... I seem to remember, at least in Melbourne, like more revival cinemas, like old school... 200 seaters where they would show kind of one-off sort of screenings and stuff like i must have seen mad max at like those revival cinemas about four or five times um but they not don't really exist anymore but over here there's heaps and this like it was great because i mean it was nerd central like real film nerd central like i said to Jem, i imagine we're going to hear a lot of cheering for names in the credits and certain <laughs> lines of dialogue and stuff because uh, yeah of course totally 100 yeah. <laughs> percent because I, I, I like, quite like John Carpenter films, and this is one of the few I haven't seen, but um, for people who don't know, it's like I think his second ever film, and it was, it sort of, it was one of those things where it was, uh, it's a cult classic, Will. It was not appreciated at the time, but since then people have come to regard it as like a sort of pioneering sort of action film. And you can totally see the influence it's had on From Dust Till Dawn, Aliens. Like It's sort of based on an old Western itself, but you can sort of see just the characters and the way, and, and it was so much fun. But then... Um, <laughs> At the end of the screening, they did a Q and A. They had some of the the old cast. It was a bunch of kind of seventies, you know, um, I guess exploitation movie actors, and the DOP and the producer. And this thing happened where the lead actor was telling a story, and you could tell a few of them were like a bit happy to be like, you know, back out in the spotlight and get to talk about this film they made thirty five years ago. Right, you know, out of the house. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, the, and the, like the lead actor answered a question about how we got the film. And he said, well, it turns out um, you know, the guy who plays a supporting role, he was John Carpenter's neighbour, and so he recommended me. We met, we had lunch, and you know, I got, got the sort. So then about 20 minutes later, um, they're asking a different question, and then they come back to this guy, and he was like, well, here's a funny story. Um, you know, my, uh, my friend who we played the supporting character in the role, he was a neighbour of John Carpenter, and uh, he recommended me for the role, and so we had lunch with John Carpenter, like told... But it was identical, like word for word, to the point where I was like, shit, did I just go through a time loop? And then I was like, oh, no. Like, I don't think he was aware that he's just told exactly the same story. It was just like, oh, God. I mean, I mean was, may, maybe it was one of those moments where there was a glitch in the Matrix and you spotted it, Charlie, and you should be aware of guys in suits using public telephones <laughs> for reasons that you can't explain. I did see the same black cat ask <laughs> me twice. I thought, that's unusual in the cinema. <laughs> Um, I mean, did, did the audience recognise, like, did they just quietly be cool with it or did they? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no one laughed or anything like that. Like, it was one of those kind of moments where you're like, oh, just seen an old man moment there. Oh. It was just like, oh, God. But um, it was great. Like, I, I want to go back. They, um, they have, like, this, like, shitty, shitty candy bar where you can buy, like, um, White Castle sliders and hot dogs that just look radioactive and stuff. But I was confronted with the concept that is common in America, I now understand, but we don't really have back home, which is extra butter on the popcorn. Oh, yeah. Now, have yeah, you yeah. seen that shit? Yeah. It's not oh, really butter. Well, firstly, it's not butter. It's not butter. <laughs> I can't believe it's not butter. I can, because it's not fucking butter. Stop calling <laughs> that it is, butter. That is fucking sump oil. That is from a fucking, that is from a truck 
that has been filtered through and dyed yellow. Oh, my God. I mean, it feels like the stuff they would suck out in liposuction. And they've just heated it up and you meant to squirt it on top of your fucking popcorn. If we did fight... If we did Fight Club 2, that's where the fat that we're sucking from the rich ladies, that's where we're putting it, in the bloody popcorn. I mean, it looks like something that you go to some really dodgy Bachelor and Spencer's ball and they'd have dwarfs wrestling in it. Like, it's <laughs> fucked yeah. up. You should not be eating it. It is so bad for you. It smells terrible. Like, it's essentially just an oil so that the salt sticks to the popcorn, right? That's essentially the only purpose for it. It's so gross. Um, here we go. Mike Hell's given us some information here on what it is. It says it's partially hydronated okay. soy-based butter substitute topping. <laughs> See, that's way too many words for a start to describe something you're calling butter. Because soy-based butter substitute What's topping is not butter. Is it, is it still butter when it's soy-based? I mean... <laughs> Mike Hell's just put up. It says that on the side of the giant bucket it comes in. <laughs> We've just had um, an update from Mike Hell because we had a little bit of a pause in transmission, uh, but he did manage to fill us in that the uh, hydronated soy-based butter substitute topping, uh, I can't believe it's not hydronated soy-based butter substitute topping, uh, it comes solid and you have to put a heating wand into it to melt it even before you put it in these things. It is crazy gross. Firstly, popcorn does not need more butter. It's fine with the amount of butter it has. It is a very buttery, salty snack already. Don't be putting extra yeah. butter and extra salt on these things. But the way that, like, it's literally, it's, the, you, it's distributed from, like, a big hand pump, like a giant sort of yeah. hand soap thing. But coming out of it is the right. very opposite of, of, <laughs> of soap. It is this guy's bag of popcorn. You know that um, episode of The Simpsons where Homer's trying to get obese? And it's like, if it doesn't make it transparent, then don't eat it. Like, that's what happened. His popcorn just... Like it was annihilated. The oil hit it and just shrunk down and disintegrated. Then the paper around his bag just went completely see-through. And it's like, mate, don't put that in your body. <laughs> that that should not be in your body. Maybe he actually thinks it'll work that same way on his body and he'll be able to see inside his stomach. I'll just rub yeah. a little that on my tummy. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's gross. And also, yes, you're putting it into something. Because the other thing is, even that, distribu that distribution method, pump. the squirty pump thing. Yeah. Because I've tried it. Like, you know, because I tried it, because I like butter, right? And extra butter. That sounded like a good idea until I actually did it. And firstly, there's no even way to distribute it through a giant popcorn. Like, so you just end up squirting heaps of this shit in because you're going to try to mix it around. Secondly, it's going into cardboard. So it basically just drips through it onto your clothes and the seat and stuff. And your hands are all sticky and salty for the entire fucking film. It's a terrible idea. Yeah, and the amount of people yeah. who must be rubbing their hands on those seats that you're then later sitting on and they're just covered in oily hand. But who's the fucking dude? Who is the a guy who has a soy farm and is like, you know what, if we hydronate this and melt it down and put it in big tubs, we could sell it to people as butter, put lots of salt in it. I mean, like, how does that get, how does that get past the FDA? Uh, I mean, a lot of things get past the FDA. Um, did I tell you that I watched um, The Founder? the movie about the star no. of McDonald's. Um, and I really liked it, but it showed me how good subliminal advertising is because I have not eaten McDonald's. It's <laughs> got to be in a decade. I reckon I haven't gone into a McDonald's in, in a decade probably. And um, I watched The Founder and I went to McDonald's and I ordered a McDonald's burger because now they have those create your own taste burgers. So you can put like a Lumi in a burger and yeah. sort of make a vegetarian burger. And I went there, Charlie, just because of that yeah. movie. And here's my report. Yeah. McDonald's, still fucking disgusting. <laughs> disgusting as I, it ever was. I went and got McDonald's after I saw Super Size Me, which is a documentary specifically about how disgusting McDonald's is. There's a scene where you see the guy eat a burger and immediately vomit it onto the ground. And after that doco, I'm like, I reckon I could go a cheeseburger. <laughs> Yeah, I felt ashamed to be there and I ate it on the way home and then I felt sick and disgusting. But I like the movie. <laughs> Three and a half yeah, stars. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, like Mike Hell, I worked in a cinema as well. 
and uh, we didn't have the extra butter, but like the butter that you would, because the way the popcorn machine works is a giant sort of kettle in the middle and you just fill it with the popcorn seeds and you put in, it's like an ice cream scoop of lard. It was just yeah. this like giant yellow lard. Um, and it sounds like a similar kind of thing. It would come in this giant sort of like plastic tub and you would just have to, have to scoop yeah. it out. But that wasn't the scary stuff. It was the choc tops. We made homemade choc tops oh, okay. at the cinema I worked at. So essentially your morning would be spent you just have like a rack and you just like rack up a bunch of kind of ice creams, so like 50 ice creams. And then we had this big, um, similar big white tub of kind of like cooking chocolate. And so you would just like carve out a big chunk of that, heat that up. And then you would just spend the afternoon just like dipping the ice cream in the chocolate and then like wrapping it up and stuff. But this wasn't like a kitchen. Like this was the back room of a cinema it's not like you know stainless steel benches everywhere and we're all wearing gloves and everything like that literally like i'm like fucking making ice cream licking my fingers you know <laughs> dipping the fucking ice cream in licking my fingers <laughs> like tying it off i would never eat a choc top one that's not like pre-made from a machine i would never eat a choc top from a cinema I mean, that is very much like your, your meth lab scenario isn't it you're just totally. out the back you're like you don't know what's in this shit mate you're eating a choc top from no way, mate. No way. Never yeah. would do it. You don't know what's in that shit, mate. You don't know where <laughs> that came from. You don't know what standards they have out the back of this cinema where they employ these teenagers. Oh, man. The, the great thing about American cinemas is the, I don't know what it is. You know, crunch bars? You yeah. know, like the, it's the rice bubbles with the chocolate on it. They have like mini like crunch pebbles, I guess. So when you get that bucket of popcorn, then you just pour in the chocolate pebbles. That is the best. That is oh. now, that's like my new go-to cuisine for cinema viewing over here. Look at you, fucking Elvis. Like, I, <laughs> so you, you mix the sweet and the savory, a kind of a, yeah, yeah. that's what you like. Have you, never, have you not done that, chocolate and popcorn together? No, I'm a, hey, Charlie, I respect the right of both chocolate and popcorn, and I respect them to be together. But keep it in your own fucking business. Where I'm from, chocolate and popcorn separate. <laughs> and that's how God wants it, Charlie. I know you're in Hollywood where it's fine to just dip your chocolate in your popcorn. That's not true. I, you're a salty chocolate dude. Yeah, you, no, I, I gave me my. You were my dealer. You gave me my first yeah. ever. I remember you bought these fancy chocolates with salt, and I was like, no, nah, that's terrible. No one's going to eat that. And then, fuck, man, completely changed my world. No, that's one of those things you've just said that. I have only never done because I've never really considered it. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Try it. Try it. It will literally blow your mind. Hey, hey uh, we should finish up just because I've got to go and um, go and see a physio about my shoulder. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So sad. So sad. Um, but uh, I, I am currently on tour, so I want to mention that um, all around Australia. Currently in Adelaide. Uh, still another week in Adelaide once this is up, but then after that, Brisbane Comedy Festival, uh, Melbourne International Comedy Festival, Sydney Opera House, one night only, April 8th with Justin Hamilton. Um, I have going to Darwin, Perth, Wollongong, anyway, all the dates at comedy.com.au. And of course, we will be doing a live TOEFOP as part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. That will be on Saturday, April the 15th, and uh, it will be at the Comedy Theatre. Uh, tickets are not on sale yet, but we do have a new poster, which a lot of people have already checked out. It is on our Facebook page. James Fosdyke has done yet another brilliant job with that. So um, <laughs> keep your eyes peeled for tickets. And Charlie, is there a way that you could get on a list for first yes. look at tickets? We have a Patreon site, which is patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP, which is basically a way of supporting the show through subscription from any amount, from a dollar up to, Will? Uh, 69.99. We said that last week. We need to go higher. Sorry, that's consistency in what you offer the market, Charlie. <laughs> All right, don't aim high. Uh, you can uh, you can you can support the show at any amount you want. Um, it's particularly handy. Oh, sorry, up okay, to this. sorry. Go ask oh. me again. Uh, uh, from a dollar up to how much? Will three point nine million dollars? <laughs> because I don't want you to give any more than Daniel Day Lewis got to play Lincoln. That is our cutoff. D D L. Uh, it's a, it's a, it could be a, an attractive proposition um, joining Patreon if you are desperate to see our show um, because people who are subscribed at $15 or more per month will get first look in 
um, for tickets. So even if you just want to join at $15 for this month so you can make sure you don't miss out on tickets, you can always change your subscription level at a later date. Um, but if not, look, we're not trying to strong arm you. I'm sure there'll be lots of tickets available. Last year was a sellout or close to a sellout, I think, yeah, wasn't it? Pretty, yes, it was indeed. So, um, and you know, uh, I would just recommend that when they get on go on sale, snap them up quickly because it's going to be an awesome night. Uh, John Deeks is going to be there with us as our confirmed guest and there'll be a bunch of superstar guests from around the comedy festival as well. It's going to be a great night. Yeah, it's going to be uh, da- Daniel Day-Lewis playing Dave Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Dave Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs>